Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 8th, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in the doctor's opinion on page XXVI in the fourth edition, beginning with the first full paragraph, the physician who at our request. And the readers for today are Rebecca, Penny E, Judy B, and Fran. The share code for yesterday's meeting, that's Sunday, April 7th, 4231. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Lois, press star one to unmute. Twelve steps. Uh, One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Uh, Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual experience, awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I will pass. Thank you. I will now call on Meg to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. My name is Meg O, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Vermont. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Meg. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the doctor's opinion on page XXVI in the fourth edition beginning with the first full paragraph, the physician who, at our request. And I will ask Rebecca to begin reading, please. The physician who, at our request, gave us this letter, has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows. In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality, or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable extent with some of us, but we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. And this is Rebecca F. from Connecticut. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'd like to share on this paragraph. I'm so grateful to be here this morning to be with everyone and to have the honor of um, speaking, um, especially about this Uh Dr. Silkworth wrote a letter uh, upon Bill and the first hundred people in AA's request, and it will follow where it will go into a lot of detail about his understanding of the disease of alcoholism. But they're kind of giving us um, an intro here to the letter so that we can perk up our ears and pay attention to what it is that the doctor is trying to convey. And um, 
what I'm getting out of it is that, um, first of all, we must, that's pretty strong, uh, if we're alcoholics and in our case, if we've suffered the torture of compulsive overeating, we also must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as the mind. So up until now, people believed that uh, it was all in the mind. And um, if we could just, you know, change our thinking, change our mind, control ourselves, we could um, conquer this problem of compulsive overeating or alcoholism or whatever the addiction may be. Um, And that um, we may even be mental defectives. Well, if we keep using diets to um, solve our problem, and they don't work, we're basically doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, which is a definition of insanity. So uh, we do become mentally defective in the process of um, basically beating our heads against the wall. And with Dr. Silkworth's insight into the realization that um, we have an allergy of the body in addition to an obsession of the mind, um, a mental problem. The allergy of the body is what we're going to learn about and that the two go hand in hand. And once we know that um, our bodies are sickened as well, that we react differently to certain substances than other people who don't have this problem, then... um, we can start to understand our problem and do something different about it than what we've been doing all along, which gets us nowhere except mentally defective. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rebecca. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Barbara? Barbara, go ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm compulsive overeater. And I love looking at that this morning and every day. Because I know myself, when I try to just treat this disease as a bodily disease, that never worked. All the diets never worked. When I tried to treat it just as a spiritual disease, doing various spiritual practices and programs, that didn't work. When I tried to treat it just as an emotional, mental disease with all the, you know, therapy and all the rest, that didn't work. It's only through this God-given program and recognition that it is a bodily, mentally, you know, spiritually uh, body, um, a disease of the body, mind, and spirit, that I can then move to the solution of the body, mind, and spirit. So as Dr. Silkworth says, to ignore or eliminate the needs of the body is a mistake. And just as to... um, totally eliminate the needs of the spirit is a mistake. It has to be the combination. And as I see it, that's a great source of constant gratitude to me that God directed and guided uh, the founders of AA and ultimately OA away from just the spiritual practices as with Bill, you know, and Dr. Bob, the Oxford movement didn't work, which was all spiritual. All the dry outs in the clinics didn't work. And Dr. Silkworth gave us that great contribution of putting it together, and I'm very thankful for that. I pass. Thank you. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. In our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. Now, this is the foundation of the big book. You know, when we, in the morning, identify ourselves as a compulsive overeater, I think many of us don't know what that is. You know, and this physical factor, I think a lot of us don't know what that means. I think a lot of us think the physical factor is the diet. I have to have the perfect food plan. If I only ingest 1,500 calories a day, That's addressing the physical factor. And we're going to learn in this book that the physical factor is that we are wired differently, that what the food does for us is not what the food does for other people. That once we ingest certain 
substances are individual trigger foods. Our body reacts differently than other people. But when I ingest my binge foods, it is going to become less and less satisfying, and therefore I'm going to need to eat more and more. And addressing that physical factor means that we have to recognize if we have this allergic reaction, if the food does for us what it doesn't do for other people, then we have to not have those foods because we will never not have that allergy. So just the same way, if someone is allergic to strawberries and they break out in a rash, if they think that they could do certain things and then they can still ingest that strawberry and just will away that physical reaction, that seems incredibly crazy. So that's what it's saying. I have to recognize just the way someone who's allergic to strawberries ingests strawberries and every single time will get that rash. But I have to accept the fact that when I ingest certain trigger foods, I will always get that allergic reaction, that abnormal reaction. And for me to think I can ignore that and just do, an, do uh, you know, self-help books to, to do a fourth step while I'm still eating, to, to go out and make amends while I'm sleeping, and specifically to go carry this message when I'm still participating in the physical aspect of my disease is insanity. You know, I read this morning, I was reading an article, and it talked about one of the ways they think they can battle obesity is to have people eat on smaller plates. I mean, that's insane. That's what they're saying. You know, it's, it's, the medical community will give us these weird physical ideas. Well, if you eat on a smaller plate, you're not going to eat as much? I'm just going to eat 10 smaller plates because my allergic reaction is going to tell me that that is not enough. So it says here, in our belief, any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. But we have to know what that physical factor is. And unfortunately, we don't study the doctor's opinion in many OA meetings to even understand that. But we are going to do that to do that in the next week. We're going to break down what is that physical factor? What does it mean to have an allergy of the body? What does it mean to have an obsession of the mind? Because until we know that, until we fully concede to our innermost selves what a compulsive reader is, we're not going to be able to look for that solution and we're not going to be able to apply that plan of action with tenacity that we need to do so that we can recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This would be Paula Mashia. Of course, Paula, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service, lawyer. And this is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader, today in New Hampshire. And I'm going to come alongside Kim, but I'm going to scoot right on down to that word, but... We are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. How long before did I stay? But before that, oh, it must be. I'm going to think myself better. That's what I'm going to do. I've got to just put my mind to it. (laughs) Well, as often as said here and here we understand, we haven't got it in our mind. We have a sick mind. We can't make it better. Because the same thing will come again to pass. And then, oh, you know what I'm going to do? What a diet I'm going to go on this time. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to do it exactly. How long? How long? It had to come together. But as was shared, an incomplete picture. Did you ever look at an incomplete picture? It ain't done, girl. It ain't done. You look at it, and you live it. Something's missing. Something is missing. It must come together. And that part that says it's incomplete, that word means a lot. But you know what means even more so? When you look at the picture and you finally see, oh, now it's complete. Now I can see it as it was meant to be. I see now the mind in the body and what propels and joins it. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you very much. May I have a question? What paragraph we at? We just read. We are in the doctor's opinion on XXVI, the very first full paragraph. 
We believe. We, the paragraph starts, uh, we believe. The paragraph that begins with the physician who. Thank you very much. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'd like to comment on a couple statements in here. It says, the physician who, at our request, and of course we're speaking about Dr. William Silkworth here. He was AA's first friend. He was a doctor. He happened to be a neurologist. He also happened to work with thousands and thousands of alcoholics, and he also happened to risk his professional reputation to support and encourage this new movement. It says, the physician who at our request gave us this letter has been kind enough to enlarge upon his views in another statement which follows. So the doctor's opinion consists of two letters that were penned by Dr. William Silkworth. It says, in this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. You know, we're in the doctor's opinion. Obviously, these pages are numbered uh, with Roman numerals, uh, which unfortunately makes a lot of people think that this is just a helpful introductory note. But we have to understand that without the doctor's opinion, the entire book doesn't make sense. And Dr. Silkworth was the first physician to fully understand and to put into words what an alcoholic's problem is. Dr. Silkworth confirmed that the body, the body and mind of the alcoholic are, are abnormal. It says in this statement he confirms what we who have, ha- who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. This is the introduction of the fact that our illness is of a twofold nature. And this is the first time in medical history where there's any direct reference to the fact that the body is affected as well as the mind. Because up until this point, what people had thought and said about alcoholism and about alcoholics had to do entirely with the mind. They thought that alcoholics uh, were corrupt, that they were weak-willed, that they were lacking moral character, you know, that this, was, this emanated from badness. But Dr. Silkworth felt that alcoholism was a form of an allergy. They have an allergic reaction to alcohol. This is the twofold illness. Once again, it says, in this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture. And it's torturous because alcoholism destroys people before it kills them. Same with compulsive overeating. We get beaten. We get destroyed. Uh, That the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. So this is very important information here, information, unfortunately, that OA... uh, often uh, doesn't educate exactly uh, precisely. It's twofold illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. I just want to invite you to turn to page 44, which also reinforces this point. It says in the preceding chapters, this is the first paragraph on page 44, it says in the preceding chapters you have learned something of alcoholism, We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, and that's, of course, referring to the obsession of the mind, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, and that's referring to the allergy of the body, you are probably alcoholic. So this is Allowing people to identify in by these two factors, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Controlled drinking doesn't work for alcoholics, neither does abstinence. That's alcoholism. Alcoholics can't drink and they can't not drink, and that's being cornered. Uh, With that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Rose? Rose, go ahead. Thank you. This is Rose, uh, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. 
um, in this chapter where it says, um, it did not satisfy us. Uh, it did not satisfy us. This is Bill talking. It did not satisfy us to be told that we could not control our drinking just because we were maladjusted to life, that we were in full flight from reality or were outright mental defectives. These things were true to some extent, in fact, to a considerable ex extent with some of us, but then as others shared here. But we are sure that our bodies were sickened as well. And then in our belief, any picture of the alcoholic, my case, the compulsive overeater, which leaves out this physical factor is incomplete. As we're reading this this morning, I'm sitting here. This is my going through the big book now for the third time. Um, I'm saying to myself, whoa, <laughs> because I got the part of being a um, being in full flight from reality for me. And I definitely got the part during my fifth step of where I'm an outright mental defective. Now, in reading here, that um, leaving out the part um, that our bodies were sickened as well, it's like I'm getting it. I'm getting the understanding inside me why if I have any particle, any part of, of the foods that trigger my allergy and then put me into the mental obsession that of my compulsive overeating, then I am a goner. I and and like Kim was saying, that for a compulsive overeater to not have that information which I did not have until last March, after being over thirty eight years around and in OA and um I really wasn't into dieting. I was just into not recovering, literally. Um, but without this crucial, vital, the most important piece of information for me as a compulsive overeater, I didn't make it. I really didn't make it. And um, I, I, I feel the way everybody just spoke, that uh, without knowing this, then there isn't any recovery. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rose. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Melanie? Yes. Melanie, go ahead. And then Lois. Hi, thank you. Uh, my name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I'm listening to people talk, um, again, it drives home to me that this was the part that separated this whole, I think, confusion for me when there were bona fide symptoms of how it manifests itself in my body that I could grasp this idea that it was a medical condition. And when that happened, it helped dissolve all of these other things that I couldn't buy into. And I don't know that it's emphasized enough, especially in OA, that there is quite a long list of symptoms that are a physical symptoms. I have recently come across a couple of articles that uh, Dr. Sokos has written in, in March of 37 that outlines quite a list of physical symptoms of his observations over years of um, treating alcoholics that line up exactly to what my body does and, and how um, and I can much better relate in. It's just a phenomenal thing. And when that part was finally finally settled in me, that I could therefore get that idea that I was treating it like another kind of disease, like we talk about in these rooms, uh, a diabetes kind of a thing, or like stage four cancer. I could elevate this whole idea to that level. And then I read this, these articles by Dr. Silkworth that are not listed in this book. It just continues to drive that home. When I was only wrapped up in the idea that it was um, that I was a slob and a sloth and and somebody else's fault and all that kind of mind stuff, 
I wasn't able to get there. And I just am so grateful that we can pick this apart and bring it out more. And, of course, the author can only put so much in a book. It would have been much bigger. You know, all the articles that Dr. Silkworth had written over his lifetime or, or all the opinion or conjecture and their experience, the book would be too darn big. But we can take it apart here and drive home the importance of the idea that there is a physical response, a physiological response that's happening in the body. This is listed out by medical people that support it and get it. It legitimizes it for me, and then I can continue to pass that on. I don't think we get that enough in OA, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. And Lois, please. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Lois, a recovered compulsive over here in Massachusetts. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Go ahead, Lois. Go ahead, Lois. <clears throat> okay, I just wanted to comment on uh, on the on the suffering alcoholic and the torture that we have suffered. And um, well, I wanted to comment on just what that meant to me as a, as a recovering compulsive overeater and, um, and not knowing, you know, and spending, you know, so many years in, in, in the rooms of OA and not knowing that, you know, that I, I had an allergy of the body that uh, compels me to eat more of the substance that I'm allergic to. And then I have a mind who's as sick as well that even when I stop, the mind, my obsessive mind, will ensure that I will pick up again. You know, so that is, the, you know, I lived that alcoholic suffering torture for so long and blamed myself, like, like the previous speaker mentioned. And it's, it's such an important, this is such an important paragraph and, and chapter, you know, that I agree that, you know, we, we, no, we could not move beyond this. I could not do any of the recovery, the rest of the recovery. And I always tried. You know, I wanted to move on. I didn't really, it took me years to ingest that and digest this and, and to, you know, keep, keep trying to um, do it my own way. But this, this, this is where it all begins, and we cannot move forward without it. I could not move forward without it. And thanks, thanks be to God that I have. And thank you, and I will pass. Thank you very much. Let's move like on. To to share. The... Go ahead, please. All right. Let's move on to the next paragraph with Penny E. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny E., recovered, oh. recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. As layman, our opinion as to its soundness may, of course, mean little. But as ex-problem drinkers, we can say that his explanation makes good sense. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. Wow. You know, as we were reading the first paragraph, I thought this is the single most important paragraph in the book. But now I think I have read the single most important paragraph in the book. If you're new, if you're old, if you can't get this program, I beg you, I beg of you to listen to this, to re-listen to it, ask questions. Don't go any further until you get this because it's not going to make any sense. We need to know what the problem is. Uh, And the problem is that we have an allergy. What is an allergy? An allergy requires our body, requires, we don't have a choice, requires our body to react in a certain way. People who have allergies to peanuts or uh, um, whatever, peanuts or, or penicillin, you know, they have an allergy to it. Once that substance gets into their body, they can't get back on track. They're going to have a reaction. That's an allergy. We have no choice in the matter. We are required. Now, the trick in Overeaters Anonymous is sometimes somebody will eat something, and then they're, they think they're back on track because they get a day. They get two days. They get three days. I've heard people getting them a year, but they will pick up again. Hence, we have the chronic relapsers because they think they can get back on track. Please get this. I'm going to read this from a 12 and 12 dictionary, Allergy. An abnormal, abnormal, okay, let me try it again. Allergy, an abnormally high sensitivity to certain substances, allergic, made ill, 
as by having an allergy to exaggerated or disease-like reaction to substances or physical states that are without comparable effect on the average individual. I also, as a compulsive overeater, have to know that I have an allergic reaction not only to those substances that I have spent a lot of time putting down. This is our first step. This is powerlessness. Allergy equals powerlessness. Do I have any power over ingesting peanuts if I have an allergy and cross my heart and hope to die? I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get sick. Ludicrous. Ludicrous. So I also have to know that I have an allergic reaction to certain uh, behaviors. I have to be careful. You know, I cannot eat in the car. That starts a phenomenon of some kind of uh, reaction to me that, oh, maybe I can eat while I'm standing up. Oh, maybe I can taste this off my plate. You know, may, the rea- I have to be careful of my behaviors also. We have to know what we're powerless over or else we're going to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Um, I also want to say that th- that last sentence, it explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account for. So if you don't get this, if you don't get this, try, try this. I, for so many years, tried other things. I had my jaws wired shut, sucked in milkshakes, had to cut the wires so I could eat more. You know, I went to diet camp. Uh, cross my heart, hope to die. My parents spent a lot of money sending me to diet camp. You know, I had one, they gave us the food. They gave us, they tried to teach us to eat a little bit of this. They didn't know that we had an allergic reaction. But um, I would eat more. I would eat more. I would choose to eat it myself and swear to my higher power, swear, cross my heart, I am not going to eat it again. And yet I would eat it. And I would eat the whole thing. This explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account for. And just one last thing. Um, I, I thought of, a, of an analogy. You know, we have to know what the problem is. Allergy. We're powerless. It requires us to do this. We have to know what the problem is. If my car stops, if my car stops and the gas gauge says empty, okay, if I go out and change the tire, it's not going to start. You know, if I eat something that I'm allergic to and I go to my nutritionist and try and change the food plan, it's not going to work. You know, if I get out and wash my windshield, maybe that'll work. It's not going to get the car, it's not going to get the car started. You know, if I do all the tools, let me do more tools. Let me write about this. It's not going to get the car started. So anyway, I beg you to listen, to get it, to stick with us. Uh, it's a great way to live. I wish you all a God-filled day. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, everyone. I can't help but jump in on this allergy word. This is so essential. This idea of an allergy is so essential. You know, I, I am not an alcoholic. So if I sat down next to an alcoholic and we both had five shots of tequila, we would both get drunk because that is the normal reaction to alcohol is to get drunk. The difference is after I have that tequila, I'm going to get, feel a little bit sick, feel a little bit nauseous. I'm going to be pushing the tequila away. I don't want any more tequila. I don't like the way this feels. The alcoholic is going to be looking over, hoping to take the rest of my tequila and going out the rest of the night and searching more tequila. That is the abnormal reaction. So me as a compulsive overeater, when I sit down to Thanksgiving dinner next to my father, who's a half a foot taller than me, and we might both binge the same exact way, and my dad starts to go, oh, I had too much, I feel nauseous, I feel a little bit sick, Oh, I can't believe I did this again because he did it last year. And all I'm thinking is I'm going ha- to offer to help to clean up because that way I can take all the leftovers into the kitchen and I can eat everyone else's leftover and I'm not going to come up for air until New Year's Eve because I have the abnormal reaction. So when we binge, and maybe our stomach gets upset, maybe we get a little bit of diarrhea, maybe we get a little bit of acid reflux, that is the normal reaction to binging. 
The problem is I had this abnormal reaction that in spite of all that evidence, in spite of all that uncomfortability, I'm just simply going to go into the next room, pull on a pair of elastic pants, and come back and go in there for more. That is the allergic reaction. That's what we have to understand, is that 9 out of 10 people will have our binge foods, and they will feel nauseous and sick and want to push it away. And there's one or two people in that room that are going to want to have more and more and more and to hell with the consequences, to hell with what is going to happen. That is our abnormal reaction. And it says here, the doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. For those of you on the line that jaws have dropped down because of what you're hearing and it interests you, it's because you understand the abnormal reaction. If we read this to someone who is a normal eater, they would go, oh, whatever, and walk away. Because it doesn't interest them. It doesn't make any sense to them. And we have to come to terms with the fact that our bodies are different and that allergic reaction only occurs in people who have this allergy. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Rebecca. Would like to share? Rebecca, please. Go ahead. Hi, Rebecca, again, compulsive overeater. Um, I just wanted to mention that this term allergy might uh, be a little bit controversial, especially when speaking to um, people who haven't learned it the way we have. Um, So I had a conversation with someone about how um, I have an allergy of the body as well as an obsession of the mind, and she looked up the word allergy and said, you know, maybe it's like an allergy, but it's not really an allergy according to the modern definition of the word allergy, which has to do with the immune system. But what I've learned um, from people on the lines and, um, well, is that when this was written in the 1930s, the definition of allergy literally was an abnormal reaction to any substance. And over time, the uh, definition has kind of evolved and changed and become more scientific and specific to um, uh, the immune system. So um, that uh, reassured me that, yes, I do, in fact, have an allergy, and it is a legitimate way to describe my situation with with my disease of compulsive overeating. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Was there someone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? Leah Penny E., can I just add something? I know that's a little unusual, but can I add? Thank you so much. Penny E., I just wanted to say I I missed a really important point, too. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. And if I am not eating my... Uh, binge foods, if I am not eating the allergic foods, but I'm overeating, overeating is another thing that I am allergic to. That is a behavior that I am allergic to. I may not be eating any of my binge foods. I may not be eating in between meals, but I'm overeating. That starts the phenomenon of craving. We're sick. If I'm overeating, this is Overeaters Anonymous. If I am overeating, even if it's celery, you know, whatever, plain tuna fish, if I'm overeating, I am not abstinent. And I am sick, and I will eventually go crazy with the food. That's been my experience. Thank you for letting me share a second time. I passed. Thank you. Thank you. This is Leah. The doctor's theory that we have an allergy to alcohol interests us. Again, this doctor, Dr. William Silkworth, spoke about an allergy. What's an allergy? Well, one of the definitions that we've been speaking about is an abnormal adverse reaction. Uh, this is this is something that uh, you and I <laughs> need to accept, that we have this abnormal adverse reaction. At least I needed to accept that, that I am abnormal both mentally and physically when it comes to certain substances. Now, when we think of an allergy, we often think about uh, perhaps like my 
couple of my daughters who are allergic to fish, and when they ingest fish, they they break out in hives, they have uh, difficulty breathing, their throat starts to close. That's obviously uh, an adverse reaction to the ingestion of fish. Um, Now, we or myself, who has an allergy to certain substances, um, this allergy is manifested by what is known as as a phenomenon of craving. After I ingest certain substances, you can't see it, perhaps. It's something that I feel. It is something that the alcoholics feel when they ingest alcohol. Normal social drinkers won't ever understand it. They won't understand it, Um, and normal eaters can't understand my allergy. But in his work, uh, Dr. Silkworth's work with alcoholics, the doctor found that when an alcoholic took even a little bit of alcohol into his system, this switch went on inside his body, and only one thing an alcoholic wanted to do, and that was to drink more alcohol. And he would continue to drink and to drink, and of course he would get drunk. And the alcoholic is powerless over that once that switch turned on. He had no choice but to continue to drink. And I identify with that. I don't know how you ate. I'm going to tell you how I ate compulsively. When I ate my binge food, when I ate certain substances, I could not control the amount of binge foods I ate. Something happened to me when I put my binge foods, certain substances into my body. I developed an insatiable appetite for more of those binge foods. Once I started eating, I had little or no control over the amount. And normal people, when they eat like that, they would get sick. (laughs) They wouldn't want more. But with me, the sensation intensifies. It never satisfies. The food and the desire and the phenomenon of craving intensifies. It never satisfies. That's an allergy of the body. That is something I needed to accept. And that's something we learned from Dr. William Silkworth. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Paula. May I ask you? Yes, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. You know, I'm going to scoot to that but. But as ex-problem drinkers, oh, don't you love it to be at that place? But then I want to go on. We can say that his explanation made good sense. See, that was it. Nothing made sense. Forget good sense. Just give me sense. It didn't make sense. That boomerang back and forth. I couldn't understand. You know, it was like walking to an art museum. He uses incomplete picture. And you see a picture isn't done. Well, that makes no sense. What the heck is it sitting in an art museum? The picture isn't done yet. Now, I'm going to give you every fact. Every fact. And then will come the solution. You can't... That- You cannot live in the solution and be in the solution until all the facts are gathered and together. But that part, good sense, oh, thank you, God. And I mean that in every sense of the word for Dr. Silkworth, the coming together of these words and these pages. It explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. I couldn't. I couldn't. It never added up. I never had the figures right. Here you are, honey. Here's it all. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you very Kate, much. Kate, compulsive eater. Kate, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi there. Sorry, I wasn't unmuted before, and I wanted to share about the allergy. Um, I was in a step study years ago, and I'm struggling with compulsive eating. I just want to say this meeting is really, really helping me, so thank you so much. And I've told everyone I know about it because a lot of the meetings I've gone to you know, have what people want, and this one really does. So thank you so much for your service. Um, but the word allergy, we had to look it up for the step study that I was in, and um, the, the, the farthest away root, it actually comes from, you know, Latin or Greek roots, meaning allergy, al which means against the energy. 
And um, I remember that strongly because that's really what this whole thing is about for me, is that I kind of throw stumbling blocks in the way of my own, you know, personal power or energy and, you know, per, you know, just cut myself off from, you know, whatever's good, whatever spirit there is, and that's what this disease is, a disease of isolation. And so I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Judy B. Uh, good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater um, from Massachusetts. Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. And uh, <clears throat> well, this, this tells us clearly that um, the mind, the brain, must be cleared before we can understand and practice this spiritual uh, solution which is offered. And we've seen so many people, we've talked about them in the big book, we've uh, seen our friends hospitalized, and then upon leaving, they're right back into the uh, compulsive behavior. And that's because both things have to happen. You know, first we have to have our, our body cleared of any substance which puts us into that crazy, crazy, um, jittery, uh, befogged, un- unusual behavior. It's, it's necessary for us to put down the food. It was necessary for alcoholics to put down the alcohol. That is when we can understand and really accept the spiritual solution that they're talking about. And so often, in a way, we, we think... We can we can do this while we're eating, and and this is telling us that um, a man's brain must be cleared before he is approached. And even when we're listening to these meetings online, we we cannot understand this as clearly as we need to if we're if we're still into our binge foods because our our, our minds just do not understand or, or conceive of of what is happening to us. So I just, you know, this is a spiritual program, and it's an unselfish program, but we must know that that our substance has to be down. Our substance has to be down so that we have the very best chance of, of understanding and accepting this, this spiritual program. It's just, I don't know how to say it more emphatically, because... Um, it does make a difference. It does make a difference if we're into the food, or if we have put it down. If we have put it down, and uh, and the alcoholics who wrote this book, they knew that. They knew that um, the substance must be put down so that they could then, perhaps, work this program to the very best of their ability, and. Um, just really, really essential that that we understand that that uh, we cannot stay in our in our abuse of our substance and try to work this program because it it we need to work both things together. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, everyone. More often than not, it is imperative, imperative that man's brain be cleared before he is approached. And that word imperative is a very strong word. You know, it means of vital importance. Vital means life. Vital importance. Crucial. You know, and unfortunately, I think this is one of the big, awful things that we do in OA is we put this major roadblock up because a lot of our literature does not say this. It tells us that we can continue to work the steps and hopefully, hopefully get abstinent. 
You know, I've talked to people who told me their sponsors were eating, but they were told to work with others to hopefully get abstinent. And we're going to see in this chapter four different places where the doctor is going to tell us it's imperative, imperative. It's crazy to think that we can work this program while we're drunk. Of course a man's name must be clear. Why, what else would you think? Yet unfortunately, in many of our meetings, in some of our literature, it tells us, well, work the steps, and then maybe you'll get abstinent. Or if you want, you can put down the food and then work the steps. It is essential, essential that we put down the food first. We will not be available to work these steps unless we are free of our substance. I don't know if any of you have ever had a friend that's gotten DUI. And when you ask them, well, what happened last night when you got pulled over by the cops? I don't think they're going to, in most cases, they're not going to say to you, well, I decided to get really drunk and go drive it. Normally what they say is, well, I just had a beer. I just had a couple glasses of wine with dinner. I didn't realize I was drunk. I had no idea I wasn't there. And that's what it is. We are in our substance. We don't even understand the impairment. We don't understand that we, are, we do not have a mind that is available for this process until we put the food down. And when we put that food down, and when we begin to work these steps, suddenly we're like, holy crap. Oh my God. I can't believe, I couldn't even understand people. My mind was delayed. My mind was messed up. So the doctor is letting us know here, it is imperative, imperative, that a, brain's man, a man's brain must be cleared before he is approached. If you do not get anything else from this hour, understand that we have to put the food down. We have to put the food down before we can embark on this program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else that wanted to comment on this paragraph before we close the meeting? Penny E, Leia. Go ahead, Penny. I can't be quiet this morning. Uh, again, imperative. What part of the word imperative don't we understand? Clear-cut directions. If you want to get this recovery, we can't mix and change any recipe. You can't substitute, you know, applesauce for, uh, I don't know, beef. Clear-cut directions. The goal here is to be recovered. The goal here is not to have a temporary respite. You know, we can, we can get a temporary respite by working these steps while we're in the food, and maybe we'll put it down for a week or two days or three days. But we're looking for recovered. Thank you for letting me share, everybody. Have a God-filled day. Thank you so much. Uh, just a couple comments here. It says, though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who's very jittery or befogged and sometimes that includes us as well you know that some of us are going to need some help perhaps that's staying at a friend's house for a few days in order to uh you know withdraw perhaps that means checking into a place that allows us to separate from our binge foods it says uh, more often than not it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached imperative meaning necessary essential it's required because you can't serve two masters at the same time either we're going to serve the master of disease or the master who can restore us to sanity, who is accessible through the implementation of these steps. But if we're serving the master of disease, then obviously we are not available. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you about me, that I was anesthetized uh, by these binge episodes. I was numbed out. When I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that had the same effect on me that alcohol has on the alcoholic. Essentially, I chewed my booze. It wasn't just a taste sensation. When I ate certain substances, certain foods, my body was triggered and I ate more and more and more of that food. I like farm fresh vegetables, but Brussels sprouts never had that effect on me. And I would stop feeling, and I would stop thinking, and I just numbed out. And I just reacted by eating more and more and more until I was sedated, until I was anesthetized, until I was drunk with food. 
That was the physical effect on me, a drug effect. And all those substances had to be put down, meaning I could no longer ingest those substances so that I would be available for this spiritual journey that the program of recovery is going to take me on. It would be absurd to think that an alcoholic could continue to drink and implement these steps. We see that as absurd, but somehow uh, in many OA meetings, we don't think that that's too absurd. <laughs> but in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, it is absurd to think that the alcoholic could continue to drink alcohol and implement these steps, take these steps. In OA, we need to do the same thing, put the plug in the jug, put away those substances, get cleaned out so that we are available for the new master who will restore us to sanity. And with that, I pass. And with that, we are out of time. I want to thank everyone for participating in today's meeting. And I will ask Fran, please, to read from page 164, A Vision for You. Good morning. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you than to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.